So in terms of words, I thought uh, today the one word that um, came up for me was confinement. Confinement. Yeah. I understand. And, of course, in our world right now, we're looking at people who are up to here with confinement. and uh, <laughs> Yeah, unable to tolerate it any longer. Does that ring anything for confinement. you? Confinement. Con, con is, of course, with. Mm -hmm. And fins is, of course, a border or a boundary Ooh. from the Latin, some kind of boundary or limit. Right. Along with the word com, which means with. Right. Which means with an end or with a boundary. Right, right. A uh, very spatial kind of a word. Mm -hmm. You immediately think of small spaces, and of course that's one way of thinking of it. If you're thinking of a very limited number of outcomes, you're also kind of confining your thinking. Yeah, which, I mean, it reduces your, your workable set, right? It makes makes your life easier. Cause you, yeah. yeah. So you can feel trapped by it, or you can appreciate the simplicity of it. It makes you appreciate what it must like, be like to be in prison in an 8 by 10 cell for five years Oy. or 10. Yeah, really. So there's something in us that rebels against boundaries. Yes, there is. It's just not right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Especially... At a very profound part of ourselves. It's just not right to be confined. Especially for Sages. Let's be honest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're the worst. We're close to the worst. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so it's that... Yeah. I mean, yeah, no matter what, what sign you're talking about, there is this thing that just does not want to endure it. Right. Wherever, in fact, there's a boundary of any kind, immediately becomes a kind of a psychological challenge. Hmm. When you hear the words limit, or boundary, or edge, mm -hmm. there's something inside of us that says, yeah, well, let's see. <laughs> yeah. I think there's something else going on. Or if that's the boundary, then that sets, to me, a, a determination to go beyond it. That reminds me of the old story about Sir Edmund Hillary. Uh -huh. why, why did you climb Mount Everest? Because it's there. Oh. Because it's there, right? You're right. Yeah. And in our modern day and age, the uh, extreme sports—it's like the very nature of the excitement comes from boundary pushing. Right. Pushing beyond what are accept had been acceptable limits up to that point. Who's that? Who's that director that directed it? James Cameron. Speaking of, he he decided to go to the bottom of the Mariana Trench in a deep diving bell. Mo a very successful movie director, and he just had to know. So he took a trip in an underwater vessel that's probably not much bigger than that jail cell. Uh huh down to five miles beneath the surface of the ocean. Wow. Well, this, is, this is what we do. This is pretty recent, isn't it? I think it was a few years ago oh. that he did it. You know, if he didn't touch bottom, he wasn't going to be satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> but we do that. We push the envelope, for better or for worse. That's what we do. We go into areas where it has been said that we don't belong. Right. So we go to the top of Mount Everest. We go to the bottom of the Mariana Trench. We go to go out into space further and further and further. Mm -hmm. And that's the real nature of confinement. It's an immeasurably limitless identity that we have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, It's with us. It's in us. As soon as the boundary appears, our identity reacts in a certain kind of way. And it's certainly not to be content and just say, oh, that's the boundary. I'm done. Some people maybe, but even they dream something different. Yes, yes, of course. It's uh, It gets okay to... You know, really love having your family and your home, um, and that doesn't that doesn't negate this other thing. That's right. So where we are now is we are in a situation where we are um, there, a boundary has been drawn, not by us. A boundary has been drawn by circumstances beyond our control. Exactly. And of course, we rebel against this, and we want to undo it. 
And of course, uh, in this over this last weekend, because this we're recording this now, the couple days after Memorial Day weekend, and we saw right. pictures of people all <clears throat> all over the place going out and deciding that they were gonna they didn't care anymore. They were gonna not be confined one more minute. Yeah, especially a lot of the younger generation. I'm talking about people who are maybe 20s, 30s, 40s. Yeah. And teens, of course. They just said something about the, the risk is part of the excitement. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, they're just going to. I think the, the, the problem, I think the probable trap in this, and that's why we probably see a number of cases of virus infections where people will die and as a result of these very gatherings, is that they believe that the measureless ability of themselves is physical. Ah. But the measurable, uh, the immeasurable ability of each one of us, of course, is in our consciousness where that identity lives. Right. You know, that brings to mind Nelson Mandela. There was a, there was a man who lived in confinement for, what, 25 years? 28, something like that. Yeah. And um, in his consciousness, he was not confined. No way. He was not in jail. He was free as he could be. That reminds me, reminds me of course, of Thane's Nuremberg prison story. All oh, right. Yeah. And once he had a certain breakthrough as to what's, what, what, his, what he was really about, then he was free. No matter what they did to him, he was free. And, of course, they thought he'd gone crazy. Right, right. So confinement and the freedom from that is both a way of thinking, a way of a state of consciousness. When you look at it that way, then you, you begin to see that you don't have to actually prove anything. I, I, here's, that's the thing that's, that I'm picking up on is this idea, well, I've got to prove something. Yeah, yeah. I can let this world, I gotta let this people, let myself, let the world, let this situation know who I am, what I'm really about. You got to prove the, that I'm beyond this, and you certainly don't have to go outside to prove that if it's a matter of consciousness. Yeah. Some of the greatest thinking, some of the greatest writers, some of the greatest discoverers have been people who served time in prison, like Nelson Mandela, mm-hmm. John Genet, mm-hmm. any number of thinkers, writers, creators, who've helped change the world. And it had nothing to do with the physical space. If anything, the confinement drove them to break free in their consciousness. It wasn't required that they do it physically. That reminds me, too, of uh, Theresius, who was the, uh, the blind seer in some of the ancient Greek tragedies. And his ability to perceive was correlated exactly with the fact that he was blind. Uh. And if you think about, I mean, that's, that's one form of... In, I'm kind of stretching it here, but I think that blindness is uh, a confinement in terms of your limitations of, of navigating the world. And yet in this story, the fact that you are blind to being able to navigate the world opens up a vision of something that is beyond what people yeah. ordinarily yeah. see. Yeah, certainly beyond any physical limitation, certainly beyond any physical sense of confinement. Mm-hmm. The limitation or the confinement or the blind, the blindness just releases this incredibly greater potential for knowing, seeing, the blind seer. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I think I think it's uh, uh, not just Theresius, but there are others over time. This it's been a it's kind of a uh, uh, recurring theme in certain stories. The person who's yes. the person who's stepped away from the world enough to see things that are otherworldly, you might say. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So by living, working with a physical handicap, hmm. they're able to do more than they would have ever done when they were whole, physically. Physically, yeah, which kind of gets to our 
our point here about consciousness, that um, that there once you take the perspective of things from the point of view of consciousness, then there's a whole bunch of other stuff that just drops away. Right. So understanding um, confinement in terms of its function, in terms of consciousness, which is to say um, it's a challenge. Right. <clears throat> you know, uh, one of my favorite authors, Paul Valéry, a French poet from the early 20th century, he had this great theory about, uh, an aesthetic theory about poetry, and that is that the reason that poetry works as poetry is because of the confinement or the restrictions that you have in terms of meter. Ah. So if you take a couple of sentences and put them down on a piece of paper, even if they're flowery sentences, it isn't poetry yet because it hasn't been confined. Ah. And when you create the conf confining factors, when you say, okay, well, the, the, the first and third lines have to rhyme and the meter has to be iambic pentameter, and there's going right. to be three sets of four, and then there's going to be a rhyming couplet at the end, which is the Shakespearean sonnet. Um, right. You take that form, and then suddenly, when you get in there, suddenly you can't say what you want to say. <laughs> and You're forced to get really creative with the words, especially. Yeah. You have to find ways of doing more with less. And you don't say things uh, directly. You say them indirectly. Right. Often making them more powerful in terms of finally the effect on the ear and the, and the being who's listening. So basically the constraint has the effect of creating consciousness. That's right. That's right. That's the function of confinement at the end of the day. We need to think about that. Yeah. It's, as a, just a kind of little head trip, it really helps me <laughs> to think about it that <laughs> me way. Me too. And it, it also, you know, it, it points up like some of the things we've seen, right, with uh, people on doing online presentations that nobody ever would have done before. Exactly. And creating art and writing poetry. I, I, I think the best poetry out of this isn't going to be seen for, you know, probably months, but I'll bet you there is some. Yes, we've seen some marvelous stuff come out of this. I mean, some wonderful musical collaborations involving dozens or hundreds mm -hmm. of performers or musicians from around the world. Digitally, to be sure, but nonetheless, here, here was a, each one per each person was confined by their own choosing or by the rules of their local government, and yet they reached out way beyond themselves to do something that hadn't been done before, and probably has set a whole new avenue of creativity for the music world. Have you d seen anything about the challenges involved in actually like having an orchestra rehearsal over something like Zoom? No, but I can ask the few Zoom meetings I've been to and the couple that I've put on. <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> well, it's impossible. Anyway, so it gets what I'm saying here at the point, I guess I'll cut to the chase. It's, it's a very, very complicated technical challenge. Right. And then when you see them happening, when you see some, it's like, this thing, it's, wow. it is a miracle. It is, and talk about creating consciousness. It is an incredible achievement. Indeed. Indeed. All done in confinement. Yeah, that's, that's, it's a, an amazing piece of work whenever you see one. Just amazing. And it threatens no one else. It plays by the rules of coronavirus confinement. It doesn't threaten anybody else's well-being. A much different stirring in consciousness as a result of confinement than the person who says, to hell with this, I'm going outside anyway, and perhaps threatens the physical well-being of any number of people around him as well as himself. Right. So we're quick to jail other people for their viewpoints, perhaps, but more important is the fact that we take a look at our own way of, of way our thinking may have been confined mm. 
especially at a time like this, and see just how much of that inherent creativity in ourselves we can release right here, right now, sitting in the four walls of our home or our apartment or wherever we are, or our jail cell, mm -hmm. and celebrate that which confinement really brings about, and that is a, a boundless exhibition of unfettered consciousness. A boundless exhibition of unfettered consciousness. I like that. I think what I'm hearing you get to, Al, is the sense that we grumble and grumble about the constraints that are placed upon us, and we never grumble about the constraints that we have placed upon ourselves. The little prison that we live in, that we built ourselves out of our biases and prejudices based on when we grew up and where we grew up, right? and all of that is this nice <clears throat> prison cell. Maybe it's got gilded bars, but it's still a prison cell. It's familiar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> our familiar miseries. We'll have to look into that next time. <laughs>